They touch. Little bump and run there from Chase Elliott. They're up and in the wall. Here comes Keslowski and Kyle Busch. He's going to steal another one. Yeah, he is. Two Sundays in a row. Brad Keslowski wins Bristol. Can you believe it? Welcome back to another edition of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we've got a fantastic, jam-packed episode for you this week. So, still trying to work through the new NASCAR schedule. So, we're going to be talking about both Atlanta and Martinsville in this episode. So, we're going to start with Atlanta. Now, if you're a diehard Full Tank with Phil fan, you may know that I've already put out an episode about Atlanta way back before the COVID stuff started. So, what we're going to do to start is since Atlanta's coming up this Sunday, we're going to go through those picks and just confirm that we still agree with what we called out before and with the updated odds and all of that. So we'll talk about the odds to win and some head-to-head matchups, still if they're still relevant. And then we're going to project ahead. So if you're listening to this after the Atlanta race has unfolded, maybe it's Monday or Tuesday, uh, we've got a midweek race at Martinsville. So rare to get something like that. So you're going to want to jump ahead in this episode to when we start the Martinsville talk. So you can look at the info and look at the, the minute mark for when that starts. But we've got both of those to talk about. So I don't really want to dilly-dally too much, but we have to go back and talk about Bristol because what a race. I mean, for any casual fan, for a diehard NASCAR fan, that was a great race. And it showed in the Jeff Gluck Twitter poll that we often talk about on this show where he puts it out, was it a good race, yes or no question. It got the most yeses out of any race in the last two and a half years. 95% of the people said it was a good race, and it really did have everything. So from a gambler's perspective, if you took the bets that we talked about, we obviously called out Chase and Joey Logano as two guys to take for the win. And so for a while there, late in the race, Denny was up front, and it looked like he was going to be tough to pass. Chase and Joey were both second and third. And then out of nowhere, the 11 car gets loose and hits the wall, and those guys pass him. So then they have a restart, Chase and Joey out front. You're feeling really good because not only do you have the the first place driver, but we had the second place driver too. And the worst thing, the only thing that could go bad for us is if they wreck each other. And of course, that's what happened. But as a fan of the sport, awesome race to see how that unfolded. I mean, you got two guys just going all out for the win, and um, it just happened to work out that we didn't have the third place driver on our um, betting slip. But in any case, it was a, a great race. And if you did bet on it, I mean, part of the reason why you're throwing money down on the race is to make it more fun for you. And it was that. I mean, we got a lot out of it. So really great race at Bristol. That racetrack really doesn't seem to to disappoint anybody anytime we go there. So fantastic all around there. Um, I want to also touch on the fact that since the restarted season, 
we haven't had qualifying and practice. And from a gambler's perspective, that's really not a good thing because we're not getting the data that we're typically used to. I mean, from last year and, and you know, when the season started. But from a fan's perspective, it's actually turning out really great races because these guys have to have a fast car off the truck because the first laps they're turning are when the green flag drops. And it's cool to see these guys battle each other, battle the racetrack, but also battle the car as well because the teams are going to have to make adjustments every time they come down pit road just to get caught up. And so I'll give up the data from qualifying and practice to get a better race in the end result. If you're that just puts all the more emphasis on the track sets that we go through on this podcast to try to identify who's good at each track historically. It puts a lot of emphasis on that. And it's been working out for us for the most part. So I, I am really digging this and obviously they're gonna be doing this again this week. No qualifying. It's a random draw out of a hat pretty much. And the pit stalls are selected by the finishes of last week. So Kozlowski will have pit stall number one, which is huge at any racetrack. So I'm loving everything that we're seeing right now in the sport. It's great. It's the the perfect thirst quencher for a gambler and um, the NASCAR fan alike. So good stuff all around. So what we're going to do now is we're going to reflect back on the picks that we made originally when they were going to Atlanta. And if you remember, that's right when COVID started. So it looked like they were going to get the race in and then they they pulled the plug at the last second. So we're going to see who we chose and then talk about any updated odds or any other things to add to those thoughts that we had way back when in the end of February or whenever this was originally. So just uh, some things to note about Atlanta, though, because this is a racetrack that the drivers have called a handful in the past. And that makes the track stats very important here. But historically, it's the guys who have the experience on this racetrack that produce the results that you're looking for as the gambler. So kind of an odd stat here, but out of any driver who has less than 10 starts here, there's only one person who has uh, finished a top five. And that's Chase Elliott. Everybody else, if you've got less than 10 races of experience here, there's no other person that has a top five. That's a wild stat. So it basically says the, the racetrack of Atlanta says take a hike if unless you have experience. So we're going to go with guys who have experience and, and that still reigns true. So the other thing to call out is the fact that there hasn't been a repave here in 22 years and every year after the race it seems like the the track owner is thinking about doing a repave and the drivers typically the veterans are the ones that are saying no 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 please one more year one more year and that tells you something that they really do like it so maybe a repave would kind of change the way the the field handles it but the the veteran drivers are the ones speaking up because they're able to handle this this tricky mile and a half so even though from a you know, outside perspective, it might seem like a, a typical cookie cutter racetrack. When you dive a little bit deeper, it's not. And the veterans are the ones keeping it that way and not really letting any newcomers come in and, and take it from them. So let's take a look at the track stats. And once again, they are sponsored by Sean Boy. He's the best in the game when it comes to analytics, Excel spreadsheets, pivot tables, all that stuff that I know nothing about. Sean Boy is your guy if you're dipping your toe into that world whatsoever you better be hitting up sean boy you're either sean's boy or you're nothing 
All right, so there's been 112 races at Atlanta. It used to be two per year, but now since 2010, it's dropped down to one per year. So out of those 112 races, 14 times a winner has come from the pole. And last time it happened, though, was a while back, 20, 2006, excuse me, from Casey Kane. So a little while back. And winners starting in the top five, 62 times. So just over 50% of the time, they're starting in the top five. And starting in the top 10, 87 times in the past. That's just under 80% of the time we're going to Atlanta, the winners starting in the top 10. And outside the top 20, so it's really hard to start in the back at Atlanta and go for the win. Last time it happened was 2015, Jimmy Johnson. He started 37th, but 26 of the last 27 races, the winner has started inside the top 20. Now, with this no qualifying situation, maybe that changes things a little bit with the random draw. But, you know, you're still either fast off the truck or, or you're not. So, um Track stats, definitely something to note as you're making this pick. So going back to what we chose back when we put this episode out originally, the first guy we called out was Kurt Busch. He was going off at plus 2,000 back then. He's currently going off at plus 1,600. Still good value. Now, I've seemed to have a love affair with Kurt Busch this year. Last few races, I took him. And, of course, when I pulled up the, the paperwork that I did for Atlanta, the, the research course his name was on there i don't know what it is but I, I just seem to have a thing for the one car right now and looking at 28 races for kurt bush at atlanta 50 percent of the time he's finishing in the top 10 14 top 10 finishes for kurt bush i mean that's damn good from a lifetime perspective in his last 10 races though he's on fire four top fives and seven top tens with a pole and his average finish is 6.9 very good and so big numbers for someone that is going off at plus 1600. And I think that's really where the draw with Kurt Busch still remains. I mean, plus 2000 was a bigger number, but even at plus 1600, it's still a, a good reach for somebody. Every week, we're really talking about the same guys. I mean, you're going to, that no matter what NASCAR media you're listening to, it's, it's really about the same top six guys. But if you're looking outside that initial, you know, threshold, that varsity group, Kurt Busch is right there kind of waiting for his opportunity to, to snag a win and, and get into that upper echelon of the, the series this year. So plus 1600, not bad. In his last four races at Atlanta, he's got four top tens and he finished third last year. And he has the third best driver rating out of everybody in the field. So phenomenal numbers for someone going off at that number. I mean, plus 1,600, lock it in when you can. I have to actually go back and check and see if they took my bets away from the first time we did this. I don't know how they uh, handled that. But in any case, you might still have your bet out there from before. But um, he's, he's good here. And he has the most points earned here in the last 10 races. Now, he missed a race in 2015. But all in all, all signs are still pointing to Kurt Busch. Now, when we take into consideration how he's been doing, you know, since the, the COVID thing started, he's really not that great, but he, he's just like mediocre. And, and I think we talked about him on the episode before. He, he's there enough to make me say, okay, 
I like them. I'll, I'll put some money on them. But if this trend continues, I, I may have to, to back off. But um, I'll definitely take them in Atlanta and see what happens moving forward. I really want to see more top fives out of him um, if I'm going to continue to to think about him for a win. But in this case, plus 1,600 locked me in for the one car. The next guy I want to talk about is Brad Keselowski. He's going off. He was originally plus 700. Now he's plus 900. So the question is, is he going to win back-to-back races? And this would be the third race in a row on a Sunday if he were to pull this one off. But in his last 10 races, he's got two wins, four top fives, and seven top tens. Seventh average finish with the, the average of 13.0. So in his last three races, though, he has finished first, second, and first. And last year, he started 19th and worked his way up through the field to get that W. So not only is he coming off of a win on Sunday for a back-to-back this season, but he's trying to win back-to-back at Atlanta, which is crazy, but I'm still going to take him at plus 900. I don't know how, I would think that that number would be a lot lower. You know, plus 700 was what he was going off at back when we first did this. Now he's plus 900 and he's got a few more wins since then. And he's the defending champ. Come on. You kidding me? Mark me down for the two car. He hasn't finished outside of the top 10 since 2014. Wild, wild numbers. And he's got the fourth best driver rating here. So very good. I mean, we haven't had a guy go back to back at Atlanta since Johnson in 2015 and 16. Why not Brad? I mean, he's really stepped up since the restarted season. So I could see it. I mean, I typically don't like taking drivers to win back-to-back races. But this season, I mean, all bets are off on that type of stuff. This is just a wild year so far for everything. So why the hell not? The two-car plus 900 locked me in again for Brad. Now, the next guy, I talked a lot about experience. And he doesn't really have it. But Chase Elliott, for a number of different reasons, is still a solid pick. So he was going off at plus 800. Now he's going off at plus 650. So that's telling you that he's you know more of a favorite. He's only been here four times. One top five, three top tens. Average finish all time is 10.3, which is good enough for the, the highest average finish out of all active drivers all time. Now, you have to take that with a grain of salt because a lot of these guys have been here a bunch. So it's tougher to, to have a better average finish uh, when you've been here, you know, 20 plus times. But still something to be said for it in four races. And um, he finished fifth last season. So ninth best driver rating in four races. I mean, you know, Chase, like I said, he he's the only guy in the field with a top five who has started less than 10 races here. So he's figuring out fast and he's able to handle poor qualifying efforts. So if he does get stuck with a weak pull in the starting position draw, he's able to work his way through the field. So we like to see that. And frankly, he's just on fire. I mean, he had the truck win. Then he had the, the win at Charlotte. He was battling for the win at Bristol this past week. So it makes sense that his odds would go down because of recency bias. I mean, he's racing very well. That team is clicking. Things are just going well in that nine camp. So Chase, still a good pick. I don't like to continuously bet on the same guy, but 
kind of like with Kurt. I've, I've been doing that for Chase, and it worked out for us in Charlotte, but um, I'm definitely going to be more wary of that moving forward. But still, I made this pick back when we did this the first time around. I could not, in good conscience, not pick him and then have him go out and win. That would just kill me. So mark me down at plus 650. Even though it's worse odds than we had before, I still like Chase because of the momentum that he has right now and all of those stats that we just called out. The last guy that I'm going to mention is Martin Truex Jr., and we're going to be talking about him in a second when we get to Martinsville, but he's going off at plus 900. He was originally, when we did this episode, plus 1,000, but looking at all-time numbers here, he's not great. His average finish is 16.9, but in the last 10 races, he jumps to 8.4 for his average finish, which is good enough at for out of everybody in the field. It's third best out of everybody in the field. So good recently. That's what we want to see. And in his last 10 races, four top five, seven top tens. 2014 was his last non-top 10. So very good. And he's coming off a back-to-back top five races at Atlanta. This is really a value pick more than anything. I mean, plus 900 for Truex at a place where, you know, in the last 10 races, he's been very, very good. That's something that is worth looking at. So he's also someone that can get through the field. He can recover from a poor starting position. He's in the past, he's had races where he started 35th, finished fifth, started 14th, finished sixth, had 28th to fourth. So we see this from time to time with different guys and different racetracks just being able to maneuver the field. Well, we have this here with Truex. So I'm not scared of the random draw in this scenario. So big value pick. I like it. He really isn't performing this season like the Martin Truex of old, but I still like the value here. So mark me down for the 19. Last year was his first year in the 19 car at this track and he had his best finish of his career. So um, mark me down plus 900 Martin Truex Jr. So just to recap, the, the picks were confirming all of them from before. The first episode we did with Atlanta, we're going Kurt Busch plus 1,600, Brad Kozlowski plus 900, Chase Elliott plus 650, and Martin Truex Jr. plus 900. So next we're going to get into some head-to-head matchups that we had pinpointed for Atlanta from the previous episode. But before we do that, I had a couple prop bets called out from before, and it had to do with the finishing in the top five yes or no prop bet. And when I first looked at the notes from this, I was a little taken back, and I didn't think that I was going to roll with it. So two guys I called out for not finishing in the top five at Atlanta. The first was Denny Hamlin, and and my initial thought was, yeah, right. I mean, I'm going to have to go against this. Uh, because of what a tear Hamlin has been on. He's just been so good recently. But looking at the stats, when you dive into it, he only has one top five in his last five races at Atlanta, and his other finishes are dismal. Looking back at those other four races, he finished 11th, 38th, 16th, and 38th. And a few of those, he was starting in the top 10. So that's just not getting the job done there. So there's definitely some reason for it. And looking at the updated odds right now, he's going off at minus 235 to not finish in the top five. So, you know, we talked about how the odds are skewed on that bet anyway, but that's pretty good value for something like that. So 
Uh, I'm definitely going to consider it. I'm going to see where he starts on that random draw, but I'm definitely more inclined to do that than I was when I first laid my eyes on the notes from Atlanta from previous episodes. Um, then the other guy was Ryan Blaney because Blaney was also or is currently doing very well, especially since the season restarted. He's just had a good set of races so far this year. And he has zero top 10s in his four starts in Atlanta. So small sample size. His best finish is 12th. So if we're talking about finishing in the top five, I mean, he'd have to make a serious jump in performance at this racetrack. And his odds to finish in the top 10, the the answer being no, would be minus 300 right now. So, you know, he's he's got the momentum behind him from an overall season standpoint, so that's probably why you're getting decent odds there. Uh, you know, minus 300, typically not a bet that I like to make in, you know, this situation, but um, when it comes to this top five yes or no bet, that's pretty good value. The other thing about Ryan Blaney is he is quoted, like, on the record as talking about what a hard racetrack Atlanta is. He was saying it's an extremely tough track to tame, and he just has struggled with it in the past. So, you know, maybe Atlanta is running space up inside Ryan Blaney's head. Who knows? Um, they just might not be able to, to get it done at this racetrack. So something else. It's just one of those things, right? I mean, if you throw a lot more money down than you're really comfortable with to get more value out of it, and he ends up ripping off a great race, then obviously that wasn't worth it. So it's really about your comfort level. But I would say for this prop bet, it's pretty good. Both these guys, pretty good values, just whether or not you trust them here. So now I want to get into some of the head-to-heads that we chose originally. And I want to go through the list, pulling out my paper here from before. And I want to see if we still like these guys that we chose before. So the first matchup that we have is Kozlowski versus Logano. So two Penske guys, and they have similar stats here overall. And what we're looking at is Brad with a four to one lead over Logano in 2015. So these two guys both have two wins. Obviously, you could say that Kozlowski is just super hot right now. I would continue to hold the hot hand and, and roll with the two car. We talked about how we were taking Kozlowski with his value to win the race. I don't know why we wouldn't take him in this matchup still. He was my pick the first time we did the Atlanta episode. I'm sticking with him. The two car in this one makes sense. Logano coming off of that wreck with Elliott at the end of Bristol. Tough to say how somebody rebounds from that. You either come back you know, with a big time chip on your shoulder or you're going to be a little bit snake bit. But head to head with his teammate, Kozlowski, I'm going to go with Brad and the two team in that matchup, just like we did before. Second matchup that we picked out was Jimmy Johnson versus Alex Bowman. Now, the first time that we did this, Bowman was going off as the favorite in the matchup overall. Now, right now on the books, this is not available, but I would imagine that it's going to come back uh, available when we get closer to race day. Sometimes they release a bunch of matchups and then they release more as we get closer. So this has to be one of those. But head-to-head, these two, the record, they're split in four races at the track together. They're two and two. Now, Bowman has no top tens at Atlanta. He's had a gap, though, in his career here from 2015 to 2018. He wasn't racing here. Um, But still, no top tens 
since he's been in the 88 car. I think that's just a couple of races. Very small sample size, but still not a great average finish here. When we flip this switch and go to Johnson, historically, he has the best driver rating out of anybody here. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive to have that. He's got some wins here in the past. The fact of the matter is, though, recently he has not been great. So when you're looking at average finish for Johnson, he's all-time, when you're looking at races all-time, he's 10th out of all active drivers with an average finish of like 14.3 or something like that. But he drops out of the top 10 when you're just zeroing in on the races since 2010. So I'm going to, you know, look at that driver rating with a little more of a magnifying glass and say, well, you know, that was Jimmy of old. But the fact of the matter here is I made such a big case at the beginning about how experience matters. So in this matchup, I'm going to go with Jimmy. That's who I chose back in March or February, whenever we did this the first time. And I'm going to stick with Johnson here again. He's been racing well. I don't think he's gotten the finishes that he's been looking for, but he's been up there. I mean, so is the whole Hendrick camp really is performing very well right now. Um, I'm going to go with Johnson. Experience, experience, experience. That's what we're preaching. So we got to practice what we pe preach and put those bets down on the 48. The next matchup, battle of the big guys here. Harvick versus Kyle Busch. They both have extensive history at Atlanta. So that experience, you know, you're not going to be able to pick one or the other on this one. Now, Harvick has the better numbers at Atlanta, but when we're looking at average finish in the last 10 races, Bush has the advantage over Harvick in that aspect. So that's a you know pretty big stat that we go off of Kyle Bush in the last 10 races here. Kyle Bush 9.2 compared to Harvick, who isn't even in the top 10 when we're talking about average finish out of all active drivers. So that's a pretty big deal if you want to mark one for Kyle Busch. But in the last five races head-to-head, -head, Harvick has a 4-1 lead at Atlanta. And Harvick won here in 2018. He has five straight top 10 finishes. So because of that, because he's more consistent at this racetrack, I'm going to go with Harvick in this matchup over Kyle Busch. What I did before, I'm not going to stray. You know, it's going to be hard for me to, to not go looking at these stats. And, you know, just the fact that Harvick is currently the points leader. Bush is, you know, hot and cold. I mean, and at a racetrack um, like this where it could go either way, I'm going to go with the, the four car. Somebody, I'm looking for consistency. So somebody that can do that for me is uh, the safer bet, in my opinion, in a head-to-head -head matchup. So give me the four car over the 18. We'll see how it works out. Then the last matchup we called out was Austin Dillon versus Chris Buescher. This is another one that's also not available yet, but I would imagine that it will be. And these guys have a small sample size. Head-to-head, -head, it's split, two and two. So for both of them, they each have a win or two wins over the other in four races here. Both of them, though, they're both really not that great at this racetrack, which makes this head-to-head -head matchup a little bit more fun because it's kind of a back-of-the-pack bet. So we've got two guys who only have one lead lap finish in their time here. And for Busher, that's four races and Austin Dillon, that's seven. Busher finished eighth last year. He has one top 10 in four races. 
Austin Dillon's best finish here is 11th in seven races. So originally, I picked out Chris Buescher as the, the guy I like in this matchup. But I'm going to switch it. So this is the first time, the only time I'm going to switch my pick uh, from previously. And I'm going to go with Austin Dillon here. He's rallying off currently two straight top 10s. And he's 16th in the standings. So Dillon... He's putting a little something together, you know. People aren't really watching the three car. I think a lot of people are giving more credit to Tyler Reddick in the eight, but if you're looking at RCR, he's flying under the radar there. So uh, two straight top tens is something that I'm liking there. He's got a little bit more experience. I know just um, doesn't have the, the highest finish in this head-to-head matchup, but I'm going to throw that out the window, and I'm going to go with the three-car, Austin Dillon over Chris Busher. That's a switch-up from before, so if you listen to the previous episode, I'm going the other way on that one. So just to recap, the head-to-head picks, I'm going with Kozlowski over Logano, Johnson over Bowman, Harvick over Kyle Busch, and Austin Dillon over Chris Busher. Lock them in. Now the other thing, the last thing that we're going to mention when it comes to Atlanta is the truck race. So before... When we did this, it was right when the bounty was hitting. And that was Kevin Harvick offering a $50,000 reward for anyone that could beat Kyle Busch in a truck race. And it was all the rage. This was right before COVID hit. And we talked about it. And I was saying how, you know, Elliot is going to be racing in the 24 car or 24 truck for GMS. And it's a great ride, former championship ride. Well, Chase went out and won that bounty at Charlotte. So, these two are still competing in the truck race on Saturday, and you can get some good odds. It's just crazy. When you look at the odds to win the race right now, Kyle Busch is minus 155 to win the race. To win the race, minus 155. Insane number. And what does that tell you? I mean, he's just dominant. So my pick originally even though Elliott is racing for a good team and Atlanta is you know, right around his hometown, he's got that advantage for him, I'm still going uh, Kyle Busch in this one. I think the fact that Chase won last time plays even more into that. So we're going to lean hard into the 51 truck or 54. I can't remember off the top of my head what he's driving right now, but uh, Kyle Busch is going to win that truck race. That's my bet. I'm thinking I'm going to throw the, the minus 155 down, and he's going to beat Chase head-to-head. So he's going to get some revenge there for Charlotte. So that's the truck race. Give that a look. That's going off at 1 o'clock, I think, on Saturday. So some sneaky good bets there. You might be able to sneak in. Um, so give that a look also. So that'll do it for the Atlanta part of the podcast. Now, is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. Okay, so welcome to the Martinsville part of this supersized episode. If you're listening to this straight through, glad you're still with us. And if you're just joining us after that Atlanta race, I'll tell you what, that was a hell of a race, wasn't it? Woo, we really cashed in tons of money there. We hit every bet there was. It was a great race. So now we got to look ahead. And from when we're recording this right now, we're kind of doing this... Um, little bit blind, but not really. When I say that, it's because we don't have any site out there giving us future odds on the Martinsville race. It's just too soon for that. But that's okay, because I think what it comes down to is we're going to make our picks today based on 
the statistics and who's hot right now. And, you know, we don't need the odds. We can kind of predict where things are going to go. So what I mean by that is typically when we bet on a track like Martinsville, we want to look to see who the favorites are and what the odds are for them. So last year in the fall, Martinsville had two heavy, heavy favorites. And I would anticipate that being very similar this time around. So Kyle Busch last fall was going off at plus 350. That's that's too much, too rich for my blood. All right. I'm going to avoid anybody that's really down that low. Plus 350 is too much. Then Denny Hamlin was going off at plus 400. So if you're seeing odds like that, my strategy and, and my overall strategy for this episode for Martinsville would be to avoid the favorites. And I'm just going to go out there and probably assume that it's Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin. You know, those are going to be two guys that are up at the top. Um, doesn't mean that, you know, if they were better odds than, you know, if they were up around like plus 600, plus 800, my goodness, I'd be all over them. But I'm assuming that they're going to be heavy favorites. So, with that, let's take a quick look at the Boy track stats, and they're eerily similar to Atlanta's. Um, just coming off of that episode, uh, or that part of this episode, track stats are very similar. We're looking at 142 races here at Martinsville. 21 times the winner has started on the pole. Last time it happened was Jimmy Johnson in 2013. Winner starting in the top five 74 times, just over 50%. And starting inside the top 10, 103 times. That's just about 75% of the time. So like three out of four starts, the, the guy's going to be starting inside the top 10. Outside of the top 20, it's happened 5% of the time, seven times total. Now, again, those are a little bit skewed with no qualifying, but at a short track like Martinsville, it's a paperclip, baby. That really should be in the back of your mind, you know, if you got a really good stud starting way back due to a random draw, I would probably avoid him, even if he's really good here, um, just because it's it's hard to do whether you know there was qualifying or not. So let's take a look at some of the guys that we like. And the first guy that I'm going to talk about, I would anticipate Martin Truex Jr. going off in and around plus 800. That's going to be my guess on where we're seeing him. When the odds are first released, you might be able to get him in a better position um, just because of his current situation in the current season. Um, but at Martinsville, he got his first win last fall. So he's the defending champ at this racetrack. He is a guy that, you know, the announcers always talk about. We talked about it on this podcast, you know, for a while now, how he was always struggling with the short tracks. But at Martinsville, his stats are really good. It's just he never got that dub. And I think that having that win last fall is going to play a huge factor for his psyche moving forward. So he's going to be not only a good pick, but potentially a value pick, uh, depending on what his odds are. So looking at the last 10 races, one win, four top fives, and eight top tens. That was surprising to me. And his driver rating's not great. Because, as it's well documented, short tracks were not his thing for a long period of time, but he started to get better as we went. So, if we're looking at his average finish, all right, so I know we usually like driver rating, but let's just hone in on average finish for a second. His all-time 
every time that he's come to the racetrack, all-time average finish, his average is 17.4. All right, that's not even close to being in the top 10 for, for all-time out of all active drivers at this racetrack. But when we're zeroing in on the last 10 races here, it absolutely skyrockets to 7.1. All right, so that's good enough for third out of anybody here in the last 10 races. That's great. So he's definitely something that I'm going to have on my radar on Wednesday night. It's going to be midweek, and we're going to be all over Truex. I mean, if those stats didn't do it for you, five straight top 10s. That's badass. And the other thing is he moves through the field very well. He recovers from bad starting positions. So if he is getting a draw, maybe starting like 17th or something like that, he can move his way through the field. And in that win that he had last race, he led 464 laps out of 500. That's that's wild. So he's, uh, he's a guy. Now, talking about current situation, He's not having a bad year, but he's not having a great year. I mean, you kind of expect greatness out of him. And if he doesn't go out and get a win or you know, a really great finish in Atlanta, I know we talked about him um, on the odds to win previous part of this episode. But if he doesn't get that win, I would consider Martinsville a bit of a streak buster for him. So definitely, you know, kind of use that to your advantage um, and, and throw some money in on him. So I think that his value is going to be really good. And I like his stats. So Truex, definitely on my bet slip come Wednesday night at Martinsville. Next guy we want to talk about, Penske, Team Penske driver, Joey Logano in the 22. So Joey stands out to us for a reason that's kind of a a moot point. But I'll get to that in a second. In his last 10 races at Martinsville, one win, three top fives, and six top tens. He's sixth in driver rating with a rating of 94.2. The thing that jumps out to you off the, the screen or off the page, five pulls for Logano in the last 10 races. 50% of the time in the last 10 races, he's starting on the pole. Now, I said it's a moot point because there's no qualifying, but that tells you that this team is good off the truck. And what do we say at the beginning of this episode? With this no qualifying, no practice, you're going to need a team that knows what they're doing and clearly, or, or a driver that can get around a track with, you know, not much practice and um, kind of first time through. So I like Logano in that mindset. You know what I mean? He, he, the fresh off the truck, put him out there. He knows what he's doing. He can get around that racetrack. So the 22 car, definitely one to watch out for. Sixth in average finish as well. His average finish is 12.9 here. And eighth place last fall. So... You know, that's something to kind of think on. Eighth, eh, it's top 10. I mean, we talk about how top 10s are, you know, something we want to look for. Now, if Bristol's in any indication for you, short track, another short track, um, he did well at Bristol until the ending. So he was up front at the end. And that's really all you can ask when you're betting on someone is to just get up there and give themselves a shot. Well, the 22 was there in Bristol. You got to assume that that was good short track practice it's that part of the season really so um i would say you know he has that ability at martinsville as well so he's somebody that i'm expecting the odds to be in our favor there plus 900 um maybe even like around a thousand just because there's so many other guys that could uh get the attention of the bookmakers 
I think you might be able to get him at a good value as well. So keep your eye on the 22 car, Joey Logano at Martinsville. Next guy we have is more of a value pick. Someone that I've picked a few times this year, have not cashed in on the money line to win yet. I feel like it's going to happen at some point. And until then, his odds are going to be in our favor. So you just got to keep going back to it. And it's Ryan Blaney. So Blaney's odds to win the races have been around 1,400, 1,600. Sometimes they're like 2,200, 2,300. And he's been racing well this season. I, I don't know what he needs to do to get uh, up there, but we're going to take advantage of it. So I would expect his odds to be, you know, in that same spot, you know, uh, about 12 to 1 to 18 to 1. Anytime, anywhere around that area in his last eight races, because he's only been here eight times, zero wins, but three top fives and four top tens. So 50% of the time he's finished in the top 10 at this racetrack. Something to be said for that. But since he's come to the 12 car, that's really when his career has kind of taken off for the better at this racetrack. Um, so racing for Team Penske in the 12, he has four races here, and three of those four races he's finished in the top five. So that's really good. His driver rating is eighth out of all active drivers. Rating is 91.0. So in the last race, he finished fifth. So a top five there. And in the spring race, he drove through the field from 17th all the way up to fourth. So he's a value pick. I mean, has not got it done here. The other two guys that we talked about, uh, odds to win, Truex and Logano, they have proven that they can win here. Blaney has not. But in any value pick, you're going to need to kind of take a risk. And, and I think you're kind of investing in a younger guy going out and getting it done. So Blaney in the 12, I like what I've seen from him since joining that team. At this racetrack, mark me down, Ryan Blaney. Those odds are going to be in our favor. Trust me on that one. The last guy I'm going to call out here is a super value pick. So I could go out and I could choose somebody like Kevin Harvick. He's got great numbers. I think his value is going to be good too. Keep your eye on him. But if you want a super value, because that's why you're here, right? We're talking about, you know, taking some risks. Let me tell you a little bit about Clint Boyer at Martinsville, okay? He's going to be going off at astronomical odds, like, 22 to 1, plus 2,200, 2,500, something like that. He has, in his last 10 races, one win, two top fives, and four top tens. That's not something that I think I knew, like just general knowledge about Clint Boyer. He's pretty good here. His last time out at Martinsville, he had a rough, rough go. 35th was his finishing position, but four out of five times before that, he finished in the top 10. So, you know, you throw the last race out, kind of an outlier. For the last five races before that, top 10 finishes for the 14 car. He's going to be up there, you know, and maybe you take him in a top 10 bet. But if you're looking for a super value pick, I mean, he's been, he's led laps this year at various racetracks. So it's not like he, this is just a complete shot in the dark. I mean, he's, he's getting into it and he's up there. He's fighting, you know, he, Everybody at Stuart Haas is playing second fiddle to, to Kevin Harvick. You know, they're all the little brother, basically. But he's someone that could jump up and, and steal one. So cash his way into the, the playoffs and, uh, 
and then cruise from there. So this is a track that maybe he could do that at. It's, it's one that he likes. As far as average finish is concerned, last 10 races, those stats don't really look too great, but his all-time average finish is 14.7, and that's good enough for seventh overall out of all active drivers. So, um, yeah, those, the value is going to be there. Trust me on that. It's going to be, you know, above plus 2,000 for sure to win the race. So um, give that a look, what Clint's going off at, and cash in because, um, you know, maybe a small bet, but I think that would definitely be worth it because he's someone that could maybe surprise some people in this one. So to recap my picks to win on the money line at Martinsville, we're going with Martin Truex Jr. I mean, hell, the, the place may be named after him. Martinsville. It's his ville. Martin Truex Jr., Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney as a mid-tier value pick, and then our super value is Clint Boyer. All of those guys picks to win the race. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Racing, you bunch of hot dogs. Ah, yes, everybody talks about the Martinsville hot dog. That's where that clip was from, and uh, definitely want to get a chance to, to try that at some point. But someone who definitely has had a few of those Martinsville hot dogs is Ryan Newman. And before we get into the head-to-head picks, I just got to call out Ryan Newman. He is screaming to me to take him to finish in the top 10 at Martinsville next Wednesday. So the reason for that, I'm just getting a lot of 10s from him. So we're talking about finishing in the top 10. His driver rating out of all active drivers is 10. And he has five of the last 10 races, he's finishing in the top 10. So that's 50% of the time. So it's a coin flip. Will Ryan Newman finish in the top 10? Flip a coin. In this case, I'm choosing tails, and it's going to be tails never fails. But he finished 10th here last fall. So just a lot of 10s and the value. He's going to be going off somewhere in and around that plus 200, plus 350 range to finish in the top 10 here. Um, that's usually what his numbers are, you know, at most racetracks. And, you know, last time in the fall, he was going off at plus 250 to finish in the top 10. I have those in my notes. So I like it. You know, it just stands out to me. 10th and driver rating, finished 10th here last time. Let's let's knock him in for a, a top 10 bet this time around. So Ryan Newman, like I said, he looks like he definitely had a few of those hot dogs. So um, go out and get it done there, buddy. Now, we are going to shift, and we're going to talk about the head-to-head section for Martinsville. So, in this case, we're kind of um, predicting some of the the matchups based on what the books gave us from previous years. But before we do that, we want to give a shout-out to our sponsor of this head-to-head section, and it's C&D Tees. If you've got some sort of event coming up this summer, maybe you've got a, a wiffle ball team or something, you need to outfit the team with some... Nice new t-shirts, or you got a business that you're getting going, you want to give out some swag, reach out to C&D Tees. This is a good small business to support, so you can find them on Instagram at C-N-D underscore Tees. Again, the letters C-N-D underscore Tees on Instagram. Get some shirts from those guys. So let's take a look at some head-to-head matchups here. And the first one that we have, I mean, it's a dandy. It's Kyle Busch versus Denny Hamlin. We talked about how these guys are going to be pretty much the favorites coming in. So let's talk about them head to head. Both of them are phenomenal here. 
Kyle has a 5-4 lead over Denny in the last nine races, but Denny has a better driver rating. Denny's driver rating out of everybody is second. Kyle Busch's is third, so he's right behind him, but Denny's driver rating is 106.4 to Kyle Busch's 104.4. So um, now that is, you know, not too big of a deal, but it just tells you that people kind of think that Kyle dominates these short tracks, and, and this is Denny's hometown. I mean, he owns this track pretty much. I think you're going to get the underdog value for Denny Hamlin when it comes down to it. We were concerned a little bit about his crew chief situation because um, they were suspended. A bunch of guys on his team were suspended, but he has proven over the last couple races that that is a non-issue. That 11 team is on rails a lot of the time, so... That is no longer a concern. I was kind of avoiding him. I'm going to go with Denny in this matchup uh, just because of his performance so far this year. He already has a couple wins. Kyle's still looking for that first win. Assuming he doesn't win Atlanta, which I'm recording before that race goes off. But um, I digress. I'm still going to go with Hamlin in this scenario over Bush. Mark it down. The reason for that would be the, the value. I think Bush is going to be the favorite here, and I want to try to get steal some value on these head-to-head picks. The next one I have going off is an interesting one. Okay, We're going to the Hendrick camp, and it's the 88 versus the 24. So Alex Bowman versus William Byron, both of these guys aren't great at this racetrack. Both of them have an average finish that is greater than 20. So that's saying something. But Byron, if you want to, you know, start to look at both of them, Byron finished second here last fall. And I remember that specifically because I'm pretty sure I had this exact matchup in the fall and Byron jumped up and, and really bit me in the ass. So second place finish in the fall. Maybe he's starting to figure it out. Younger guy, you know, small sample size. They, he's been here four times. Bowman has the 3-1 lead on Byron at Martinsville head to head. But this is what we did. So we've been experimenting with this bullseye bet situation. At first, I was throwing a random dart at the board, throwing some cash on whoever it landed on. It didn't really work first few times. Last week, I threw three random darts, and we avoided those people. And it did work. You know, those guys that we landed on, they did not step up to the table, and, and the bullseye bet avoiding them really paid off for us. So this time around, I wanted to do something different. So... What I chose to do was say, all right, William Byron and I, we have beef. So let's just focus on the 24. I took three darts, and rather than just throwing them randomly, I actually tried. My, the goal was if I could get 24 on the nose with three darts, then I would say, all right, let's go with William Byron. So I went with it. I was trying to hit the 20 to start, but instead I hit the 18, and my next two darts were three and three. So... Anybody that's a math whiz out there can tell you that's 24. So because I got 24 on the dot, and it's not the easiest thing to do. I'm going to go with William Byron on this one with the bullseye bet. We'll call him Bullseye Byron, and we'll see if he comes up and, and bites me in the ass again. I'm, I'm going all in on him this time over Alex Bowman. So we'll see. See how it goes. I'm assuming these guys are both going to be going off at minus 115, even odds there. You're not going to get any value on either of them. So... Byron, lock it in. We'll see how it goes, and we'll see if this saga, this battle between the two of us, uh, continues or if we make up and become friends. We'll see.
Next one we have is uh, more of a back-of-the-pack matchup. I like calling out some of these random guys, and we actually looked at one of these guys in the Atlanta part of the episode. It's Chris Busher, and we have him taking on Ricky Stenhouse. So this is uh, a solid head-to-head matchup because they swapped rides at the start of the season. They actually found out towards the end of last season that they'd be essentially swapping rides. And we have Busher in the 17 now and Stenhouse in the 47. So it's really interesting to kind of follow these two as their season goes on. So what better way to follow them than putting some money down in a head-to-head matchup? Now, in the standings, they're very close together. They're 19th and 21st in the standings with Busher having the, the 19th spot, a little bit of an advantage over Stenhouse. So then when we look at just this racetrack, both of their performances at this racetrack, it's a little bit more of a, a clusterfuck. So we have Stenhouse. He has two top 10s lifetime at this racetrack and an average finish of 26. Not great. Not a great average finish, but he's got two top 10s. Busher, on the other hand, no top 10s and an average finish of 20th. Now, he did have an 11 and a 12th place finish, but still not inside the top 10. So clearly this could go either way. So then I went to the the head-to-head matchups for when both of these guys were in the same race. And that was a little bit of a surprising finding as Busher was 4-0 in his last four races versus Ricky Stanahouse at Martinsville. So because of that, I'm going to go with Chris Busher. I mean, Stenhouse has gotten a little bit more action on the television, but Busher's just flying below the radar. He's hanging in there in these races. So uh, 4-0 in the last four, I'm going to go with Busher over Stenhouse in this matchup. Then the last one we have is a little bit more of a heavyweight matchup. Kevin Harvick versus Chase Elliott. And we've said it before on this episode, Chase is just on fire. So at Martinsville in his last 10 races, two top fives, four top tens, no wins. But, you know, he's just on it right now in the current season. So those are good numbers. He actually only has eight starts here total. So 50% of the time he's finishing the top 10. He's he's getting it done. Uh, Chase has a 5-2 lead over Harvick in the last seven races at Martinsville. So with all of that stuff being said, you're saying, all right, Chase is the pick here. You know, he's on fire, good numbers in eight races. He's got the, the head-to-head advantage in seven races. So uh, I like Chase in that. But then we look at Harvick. I mean, he's the points leader. You have to consider that when we're talking about placing bets on these guys. I mean, there's a reason why he's the points leader. It's because he's knocking down good finish after good finish after good finish. Then when we're looking at his average finishes at Martinsville specifically, we talk about his average finish lifetime or the last 10 races here at Martinsville and the stats jump up. So lifetime, his average finish is 14.9, but in the last 10 races here, it's 10.6. So four average spots better for Kevin Harvick here. He also has the better driver rating compared to Chase. Um, So Harvick's is fifth out of all drivers, 94.7 compared to Elliott's who's ninth, 88.7. And For those reasons, I'm going to go with Kevin Harvick. But there's one more thing that I just wanted to call out, and it's, you know, we just saw Chase get into it with Logano on a short track at Bristol. Is there revenge afoot? I mean, this is a a place that you could see revenge. We've seen it with other drivers, revenge being extracted on this racetrack. So 
Uh, maybe Chase is just making a few too many enemies, and he might have it taken out on him at Martinsville. We'll see. It'll be under the lights. So I'm going to go with Harvick in this matchup. I almost took him to win, as I said, but I'm going to go with Harvick over Chase in this matchup at Martinsville on Wednesday night. So just to recap my picks for the head-to-head at Martinsville, we're going to go with Denny Hamlin over Kyle Busch, William Byron, Bullseye Byron, baby, let's do it, over Alex Bowman. We're going to go with Chris Busher over Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Kevin Harvick over Chase Elliott. Lock them in. Now, there was only one more thing I just wanted to call out when we talked about these head-to-head matchups, and it was something that I found fun this past weekend, and I don't even know really what to call it. I'm looking for a name for it, but it's essentially just a super parlay, just the parlay of all parlays. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because it's almost like playing the lottery. You could do this every week. And what I'm talking about here is looking at the list of head-to-head matchups that are available to you on your book. Now, you can't include the same driver twice in a parlay, but they offer a good list and variety. So what happened last weekend when we were talking about Bristol, there was 11 different matchups that were available to me. And I just went down the list, choosing mostly favorites, okay? Had a one or two underdogs in there. But uh, the point is, you put all of those together into this super parlay, and I had a dollar bet on all of those. And if I were to hit that, it would have won me 1200 bucks. So I think I'm kind of addicted to it, to be honest with you. I'm going to do this every single week. I mean, it's more of a chance of winning than, you know, playing the lottery. Like I said, this is something you're choosing mostly favorites and you're getting these awesome values. If lightning strikes, you're cashing in on a ridiculous bet slip. So give it a look. You know, I, I initially had like five bucks in uh, and it was like to win, you know, almost six grand. So I was pumped about it. And I'm finding myself um, anxious for the next race to to come around because I'm a bit addicted to it. So give it a look. I'm definitely going to be keeping track of it. And if I ever hit, my goodness, you might never hear from me again. No, I will be letting you know. I'll be shouting it from the rooftops um, that we hit that one. So give it a look and, and see what you think. And if you hit anything, definitely let me know. So all in on this super parlay. I'm also interested in some sort of catchy name for it. But I found it interesting. I hope you did too. So go out and give it a shot. All right. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of the full tank with Phil podcast. It was our supersized episode. First time trying to knock out two races, two tracks in one episode. Hope you enjoyed it. And definitely after the Atlanta race, if you want to see any adjusted picks, make sure you go out and you follow us on Instagram at full tank. Phil will make any updates to these picks on there and love to interact with you. So go out, let's cash in in Atlanta. Let's have a good midweek race at Martinsville. Always remember, drive fast and take chances, and we'll see you next time.